welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris, Prodigy Maker Show, episode 37. We are live from the New York City area, and I'm excited to talk to you about online schooling and whether it's the right choice for your child, whether it's the right time for your child. So we'll get into that show in a moment. I want to thank you all for reaching out to me. We had a lot of feedback from the audience this week, and it was great to connect with you guys on the show. I really appreciate it. On the show and also uh, during the week after the show, I got a lot of comments and a lot of feedback, and it's really nice to connect with all of you around the world. And that is one of the exciting things about this show. I appreciate being able to reach out to all you guys. And I appreciate the connection with especially parents. Because this show is not only for parents. But we have a lot of parents in the audience. A lot of parents around the world who like to watch. And and who ask me questions about how to develop their kid. And The show is also for coaches and players, but I particularly like connecting with parents from around the world. So I just wanted to thank you guys for reaching out to me. I have a lot of questions to answer to answer at the end of the broadcast. I got a lot of questions in our in my mailbox, so I will try to get to those junior development questions at the end of the show. Thank you for all the likes and thank you for all the waves. I really appreciate it. Online schooling is something that I've been researching a lot recently because my daughter Sky is 13 and we are looking for an online school for her so this is something near and dear to my heart we've been looking for the last few months and she's applied to a school she's applied to Stanford online high school which is a highly reputable school in California affiliated with Stanford University it's one of the most selective schools. So cross your fingers, guys. I hope that she will get in. We also have a few other options that we're interested in. There's an online high school called Dwight Global, which is another online school that has an excellent reputation. And we're also looking at another one called George Washington Online High School, which is affiliated with George Washington University. So those are kind of my big three. And if you're interested in online high schools, I would probably recommend starting with those three. I have talked about online schooling, homeschooling, and alternate schooling on other shows. I will try to give the link to the episode where we had a good discussion about this. I think it's in the 20s. We're on episode 37 now, so I'll have to search back and see where that discussion was, but we had a very good discussion on on homeschooling and alternate schooling, which where I touched on some of the online schools. So in this conversation today, we're discussing online schools, but 
the same discussion, the same thoughts, the same principles, timing, and whether it's right for you can be applied to homeschooling, can be applied to alternate schooling, hybrid schooling. Basically, I'm a big believer in all of these things. I'm not a huge fan of traditional school, so I'll just get that out to you guys right from the bat. I'm a big believer in alternate schooling because in general, I think that traditional schooling is inefficient and when you have an elite athlete or you're trying to create an elite athlete, if you have a serious athlete in your family, time is everything. And so I can't stress that enough and I believe strongly that you have to create more time for your player, for your athlete. And unfortunately, traditional schooling, whether it's a public school, particularly a public school, or a private school, they eat up a lot of time during the day. And time is what you need as a parent, and time is what you need as a coach to develop your little champion. So I'm a huge fan and a big believer in, in online schooling and any other variation thereof, whether it's hybrid schooling or alternate schooling or homeschooling. If you're a parent who has the time to homeschool your child, and I think that's wonderful too, and that can be a great bonding relationship for you and your child, but most parents don't have that situation. I don't have that situation. I work full-time as a high-performance coach, and my wife also works. So I'm looking to be involved with my child's schooling, but I don't want all of the, the pressure and the, the onus to be on me uh, as far as the, being the primary teacher. So I would love to, I'm, I'm going to be the, the gym coach. I'm going to be the athletic trainer for my children. And I'll, of course, help them with their academics. But I need a school that will provide that for them and a, a structure and organization and also a community. I think it's nice to have a community uh, and online now, there are many options to build community. Online schooling is evolving rapidly. And children are able to connect more through social media and through uh, online forums and platforms. And so there can you can actually build a nice sense of community now. It's not as if you're divorced from the world uh, just studying at home anymore as maybe it was in the past. So... So many things to talk about with online school. I think one of the things I wanted to touch on is here in New York. So I have a unique perspective from New York where many of my students are high performing. Many of my students are high achievers. And many of them go to private school here, very tough private schools. What I've seen is that private schooling is a disaster for my serious athletes here in New York and I assume it's similar around the country. Any selective or tough private school, demanding private school is, is going to create a big challenge in, in developing a top athlete. The main reason is because it's stressful, it puts a lot of pressure on the kid and they give a lot of homework. So when your child has three to five hours of homework a night and they have a, a long pressure-filled school day, it, it's just so challenging to create a healthy athletic environment in terms of your child's development when they have that set up. So for example, I have many students who they have a long day at school, maybe eight to three, and then they have to squeeze in their tennis training, maybe a little gym training, 
and then they have to get home quickly because they have a huge load of homework that could go to midnight or later. And so the kids feel this pressure. Everything is compressed. They don't get a good sleep. They're not getting a good recovery each day. And their nervous systems are under a lot of stress. It builds a lot of anxiety. So I just see in my neck of the woods here in the city, in the big city, in a very high-pressure place, which New York is, that the kids are under tremendous pressure and they, they can develop a lot of anxiety. And there's just not, literally not enough time to put together a high-quality, healthy training regimen. So that's something I'm starting to see firsthand with my daughter. My daughter, Skye, is in eighth grade and she's 13. She's a very serious competitive wrestler believe it or not. So we're working on her tournaments and scheduling for regional and nationals and we're doing a lot more training. And so I'm getting, I'm very involved obviously because I'm a coach and I love, I love to help my kids in their respective sports. My son is coming up. He's 11. His name is Isaiah and he's a very serious competitive runner for track and field and for cross country. So I'm heavily involved in my, with my children's development. I have two younger children who are not training seriously yet for, for whatever they're going to do. So I'm focused on my top two coming up, my, my first two children who are 11 and 13. And I'm, I'm thinking very seriously about online school for both of them. And I'm trying to plan their training regimen. So what I'm finding with traditional school is it's impossible. It's just impossible to do it the way that I want. And I'm sure other parents and coaches have felt the same way. And I just have no hesitation in pulling them out and doing something different and taking an alternate pathway. So for example, injury prevention and physical training. Right now, my daughter's lucky to get in her normal hour and a half to two hour wrestling practice, or it could, this could be for any of you, for, for any sport. So you have to get your tennis training or your athletic training after school. She's barely able to get that training in, and then she has a ton of homework. She's a high-performing student. She's one of the leading students in her high school, or in middle high school. And so she feels tremendous stress just to get to wrestling and do her wrestling skills and training with her coach and then to get her homework done. If we can get any additional physical training work in, we're doing a lot of gymnastics work, a lot of injury prevention work, and we're, we're also, we also have a priority to try to get in the gym and lift to make you know, her strength and conditioning to make her stronger. It's virtually impossible for me to get all of these things in to her schedule on a weekly basis regularly. And, and if we do squeeze it in, it's, it's rushed and it creates a lot of stress. It's very stressful because everything is compressed and forced into a, a short time frame. So it's not, there's no chill. There's no relax. It's everything is pressure, 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 go, 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 force, 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 squeeze this, squeeze that. Everything's a hustle. And I, I think that over time, that's very unhealthy for children to feel that hustle all the time. And that's, I think that's everywhere, but it's particularly true here in New York where that, that uh, go, go, go 
energy and pressure is, is constant. So I want to get her out of that and I want to get my son out of that. And the only way I see out of that is to do an alternate school. And I think the best alternate schooling for us, for our family, is online. So that leads me back to the online schooling. These schools are amazing. You guys have to check them out. Check out Stanford Online High School. Check out Dwight Global, which is here in New York. Check out George Washington Online High School. These, for me, are the big three that I've been finding in my research have very high-quality programs, very good educational offerings. There are a lot of other ones. I can post the list of the top 50 online high schools, but I would be wary of the ones that are lower down on the list. I have a lot of skepticism about them, and what I'm finding is most of the, the cheaper, lower-budget options and, and the, ones, the schools that are lower in the rankings tend to be more asynchronous in their class offerings rather than synchronous. And so what that means is they don't have as many live interactions between the students and the teacher and the classmates. So for me, the gold standard is synchronous classrooms, synchronous uh, coursework, synchronous teaching, where my daughter can connect with her teacher live, the classes are live, and they, they're over video, like video conferencing, but uh, there's interaction between her peers, her classmates, and there's a real sense of community, and um, that give and take between a teacher and student, that's really critical to learning. So I highly advise you, if you're looking for an online school, look for an online school that offers synchronous education, synchronous classes, and they can have some asynchronously designed courses, but make sure that those are at a minimum and look for synchronous co coaching, teaching. Unfortunately, the schools that do that are more selective, so harder to get into, just like any private school would be, and they're also more expensive. So that's the trade-off. If you have a limited budget, and you're looking for online schools, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of asynchronous type teaching. And I think that's, it, it can be, uh, you can see it in a positive light and say, well, at least I will have access to a decent education uh, that's cheap. But on the other hand, it's not going to be as rich and it's not going to be as powerful a, a format as, as you could get with with a synchronous style. So that's the trade-off. I'm willing to spend the money to have that, that more rich environment with better interaction between the teachers and, and my, my kids. But that's a decision you have to make for your family and obviously every, every family has a different budget. But in general you can get, with some of these really good ones that I mentioned, the good schools, you can get a really high quality education that's well respected by college admissions departments as good or maybe even better than most of the uh, the top public and private schools in your area uh, and the cost especially compared to private school is a little bit less so some of the private schools here the elite ones in New York City are incredibly expensive and you get a discount by going online and you still get a very high quality program and, of course, you get the benefits of online or alternate schooling, which are time. You save so much time. And you can, 
you can start planning a regimen, a training program that's actually going to be healthy for your child and you can take away a lot of their anxiety and the pressure that they'll feel if they try to cram in everything into the day when you have a traditional school schedule, which is, as I said, virtually impossible, if not impossible. So you hear people talk a lot about you know, traditional schooling and you know, how it's important to have the socialization and the community. I understand those concerns, but I just feel the bottom line is time. And the bottom line is if you're really serious about developing a top athlete, you, you need more time to create a healthy training regimen for your kid. It's the bottom line. It, for me, that trumps everything. And you, you can work hard to create communi community. You can work hard to create socialization, social options for your child in your neighborhood, in your region or community, in your town. And you can supplement that way. But I think it's critical to get a streamlined training, uh, a streamlined schooling option so that you can have more time to uh, create a healthy training program. Critical, absolutely critical. Once you have that set up, you can really go to work and invest in your child and try to set up and maximize their practice and their, their, their off-court off and on-court activities. So, we talked about some of the best schools that I recommend when is the right time to online school or home school or alternate school? That's an impossible question for me to answer generally. For, for you parents out there or for you coaches who are advising parents, every child is different. Most of the online schools start at around 7th grade, so that's a pretty common entry point. 8th grade or ninth grade is also a pretty common entry point. It can vary between girls and boys. Maturity is very important. The maturity of your child is critical. They have to be able to work somewhat independently, online, via the computer. Some kids are not equipped to do that when they're young. They need to be older and more mature. With my son, who is 11, we're on the fence whether he's ready to do that yet. My daughter, who's 13, we're quite confident that she will do well in that type of setup. But my son is a couple years younger and not as mature, not as responsible and independent yet. And so we're a little bit concerned. He's in fifth grade, going into sixth grade. He really wants to do it because his older sister's doing it. So he's seeing that. He's like, wow, I don't have to take the bus to school anymore. And you're, uh, I'm going to be able to train with dad in the mornings. You know, we're going to work out in the gym every day and do all sorts of cool stuff like that. So he's super pumped. He wants to do it with me. And he knows that his sister's doing it next year. But my wife and I have to make a calculated decision whether he's ready or not, and we're not sure he is ready at 11 years old uh, going into sixth grade. So we're, we're sort of leaning towards holding him back another year, maybe entering in seventh grade for him. You have to make that decision as parents and as coaches. You give these recommendations to kids too. One thing I will say is that if you, if you go to online school or alternate school or whether it's home school, you can always go back to your normal school. So don't feel that it's, it's a decision that's final. You can also experiment, go for it, give it a shot. And if your instincts as a parent are saying, you know, this isn't working, I don't think this is the right fit, you can always backtrack and recalculate, revert to the uh, more traditional setup if your kid is not ready. One thing I will say is 
with online school, I, I just think it's the future. I think the future is online. I'm a big believer in technology. I'm a big believer in the evolution of education and educational offerings and pedagogy. So for me, this is a modern way to educate a child. I don't have a lot of reservations on that front. And so I try to be very forward thinking about my children's education. And I don't have any reservations or doubts that they can have an excellent education online and may, maybe even have something better. They can have their great education and a healthier athletic junior career as well. So for me, I'm trying to find that balance. And for me, I'm, I'm always looking for modern and, and cutting edge ways, things that are on the vanguard that can help my child save time and work more efficiently. We're always trying to save time in this fast-paced world that we live in, especially here in New York City in this area. But I just think in general, that's what technology does for us as a society, as for human beings. Technology allows us to be more efficient. Technology allows us to do more in less time. And for me, this is a prime example of that. With online schooling, you can do more with less time. You can get a great education with less time commitment. You can be more efficient in your daily planification. So that is huge for me. That's a big draw for me. Right. So what does a typical day look like for kids who are online schooling? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to plan for my kids. Number one, what I want to do is strength and conditioning in the morning. So before the schooling actually starts, we're going to do a lot of strength and conditioning. That's one of the big things we're having trouble squeezing into the normal traditional school day, uh, the normal weekly schedule, is because we can only, we can barely get in the athletic training for, for, for my kids' sports, you know, and for tennis it's the same. Most kids who, whom I coach, they're barely able to get in good quality tennis training and then they have no time for strength and conditioning. They have not much time for injury prevention. And many times that does lead to injury. So I talked about how injuries are uh, an issue, the, the strength and conditioning off-court are huge, huge priority. And also the, the emotional and mental side where your child is getting super stressed, carrying a lot of, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, feeling too much pressure, uh, that can also be a result of not having enough time during the day. So in general, the mornings I want to do my strength and conditioning, my injury prevention, my speed and agility, uh, we're doing a lot of gymnastics with my daughter, for example. And then you have a block of school. And then the afternoon, she has the whole afternoon free to do her, her athletic training, right? For, in this case, wrestling. But it would be the same type of schedule for a tennis player. And this is what I advise to my tennis players who are homeschooling or online schooling. The other way to do it is to do... Well, there's two other ways you can do it in terms of the, the scheduling and planification. You can do... A lot of the schooling block in the morning, so you can go from 8 to 12 in the morning or 8 to 1 and do a long block of school, and then you can have all of your fitness and, uh, and athletic and off-court training after that, so a big block afternoon or after 1, or you can do all of your sports during the daytime block, during the morning and daytime, and then hit school later on. So there's, there's not one formula. There's more than one way to do it. Thank you for the waves, guys. Appreciate it. There's 
Sorry guys, lost your connection there for a moment. Hope you're back with us. I'm partial to doing some athletic or off-court strength and conditioning work, injury prevention in the morning. You can also do extra athletic training in the morning. So that's another option. And splitting it up so that so the body gets a rest. The body and mind get a rest. Have your schooling block during the day and uh, middle of the day. And then you, you hit your athletic training and you can also do additional uh, physical training after. So it's, it's athletic physical training, schooling, and then athletic physical training. That's a pretty common setup. And then after, of course, in the evening, there's going to be some homework time. But the goal is to have less homework than a typical private school or demanding public school. Because one of the things that I notice is that a big, big load of homework is it creates a very unhealthy situation for your child. If they're staying up late, too late into the evening, it's going to rev up their, it's going to cause them to be more susceptible to stress and anxiety and pressure during, during all of their training and, and all of their schooling during the day. Whether that's the next day or whether it accumulates over time, I think it can lead to very unhealthy outcomes in terms of burnout, in terms of emotional distress, in terms of high anxiety, those types of things, even depression or a lack of enthusiasm in, 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 in the child's training and schooling, potentially. So I think it's really important to monitor the amount of homework and to streamline it. You, you obviously need to excel in your academics, but you need to make sure that the child is not getting excessive amounts of homework and staying up late into the night because they need recovery. They need a lot of sleep in order to to recover and be ready to train the next day. So this is where you see a lot of injuries and a lot of burnout type symptoms when a kid is not getting enough sleep. And one of the prime reasons kids don't get enough sleep is because of a school that's adding too much homework load. Now that's one of the goals also of going to an online school setup or a home school or alternate school or hybrid school. There's a lot of different options now, but the goal is to kind of get more of the work done during the day and then in the evening to do some homework, but not to make it so excessive that the child doesn't get enough sleep and recovery. Sleep and recovery is a really big part of developing a champion, as I've talked about on other shows. So what else? What age should you consider online schooling? That's a really common question that I get from parents. I think good, just as a general rule, between 6th and 8th grade is pretty good. Some parents just go for it. Like I have these superstar prodigies from Massachusetts whom I coach and the little one's doing it at 8. And sometimes you see that. You see some families who are very invested in their child's education. Sometimes you have a parent who's a teacher, for example, or something like that. And, or they don't, they don't work full-time and they can really be part of the educational offering for their child. They can take a, a large participatory role. So you see that as, as young as 6 or 8 sometimes. So that's elementary age. But typical age is middle school, 6th uh, to 8th grade. And another common entry point is ninth grade, sometimes even 10th grade. So it just, like I said, depends on the child's maturity, depends on where they are in their goals for tennis, and it depends on the family situation, depends on the family's financial situation, and also time situation. How much can the parent do the schooling? How much can the child work independently? These are all 
sort of factors in what age. From a tennis perspective, man, you got to be careful because kids got to really love tennis. If you're going to take them out of a normal school and, and start training high volume of tennis, I've done shows where I talked about how much you should train per week, what the training regimen should be. I can link those shows as well, but we're planning on doing a, a new one pretty soon, maybe in the, next, in the coming weeks. We we're going to talk about how much to actually train your kid, uh, depending on their goals, how much per week, how much per day, how much strength and conditioning, how much tennis, uh, that type of thing. I, I want to do that show soon because I want to update you guys with some thoughts on that. And I know that's a very common, those are very common questions that parents have, right? So we'll get to that in, in a few weeks, I think, that topic. But in, in general, when you have uh, you, you have your, your little superstar and, and uh, they're starting to get serious about tennis. You, you want to do a little bit less than you think you should. So what happens is as parents is we get so excited. Tony Nadal talks about this a lot. We get so enthusiastic. Our child's getting serious about the sport. Let's say tennis in this case. And we want them to be really good, obviously, we're their parents, right? Or we're their, or coaches too. We get excited, we get enthusiastic, we, and we start pushing. And we start saying, okay, let's do a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Maybe we'll stay an extra half an hour, an hour here. And that's where you have to be really cautious. One of my great mentors from Spain, Luis Bruguera, always, always told me that it's better to, to undertrain a little bit than overtrain. So it's always better to leave your kid wanting to come back more, for more the next day than to go a little too much in the day and then they're a little bit burned and it starts to accumulate and before you know it, you get an unhappy, unhealthy kid because they're reaching the burnout stage. So it's really, really important that you do a little bit less than you, than you want to because we all want to, we all get excited. You know, I'm so excited for my daughter right now. She's 13. She's getting really serious about wrestling. She's a warrior. She wants to train every day and I'm super pumped, right? I'm really excited because this is my, my dream to, it's so much fun to help your kids with their sport, right? It's exciting. It's fun. But I have to also manage that enthusiasm and, and, I have to be cautious and, and careful. It's my job. It's our job as parents to be responsible and coaches too. As a coach, I get excited when my students are doing better. It's our job to be the voice of reason and to always stop when we could do a little more to stop and say, let's come back and do that tomorrow. Let's come back and do that the next time because that way you keep the child hungry and you keep them fresh. And particularly when you're moving to a full-time training situation, full-time for me is 20 to 30 hours of training per week and part-time is more like 10 to 15 hours per week like after school situation so typically when kids are moving to an online school they're trying to bulk up their hours to a full-time training regimen and that type of schedule is 20 to 30 hours of training both with off-court conditioning and with their respective sport and that's a big step up you have to be very very guarded and cautious about not injuring your kid when you when you double their training load you have to be very very cautious and you have to be also very empathetic and you have to monitor very closely their emotional and mental state because the stress and the pressure of moving up to a full-time training load like that are also quite great so you have to be on guard about that as well so 
you can do it. You can move your kid there, but you have to be you have to be careful and you have to monitor them very closely for signs of distress, emotional, mental burnout, or physical uh, manifest, manifestation of injuries. You start seeing little uh, nicks and nags and naggles and niggles and little 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 issues that start to crop up, and you're like, "Wow, my kid's pushing their body maybe a little too much right now." We have to be careful, and I think the best parents do that. The best coaches do that. Unfortunately, the worst parents and the worst coaches aren't in tune with that. They're not, they're not very empathetic with what their child is feeling physically and emotionally. And they push too much. They're too demanding. They're too exigent. And usually it ends up really bad, really badly for the kid. The kid gets injured or the kid gets burned out. And to me, there's no fixed guideline for monitor for managing burnout or preventing your kid from having an injury the key is to be sensitive as a parent to be empathetic and to be very very in tune with your with your what your player is going through to monitor them very closely and in my experience the best athletic parents do that really really well they're 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 always on top of their child they're always taking their temperature feeling what they're feeling keeping track of, of their, their injuries and, and their soreness and their, their, you know, things like that. And in my experience, the parents who are, are less successful are neglecting some of those areas. So what else about online school that I want to sort of close with? It's interesting. I listened to the USC coach. Why is his name? The former USC coach, his name slipping my mind. I'll think of it in a moment. If you guys remember his name, shout it out to me. But, okay, I was listening to a podcast with the head coach, the former head coach of USC, very successful tennis program. And I always forget that dude's name. I don't know why. But anyway, I, I've taken some conferences with him as well. Anyway, he's a very successful coach. And he was saying, ironically or paradoxically, sometimes he prefers players who are coming from, from a regular school, he, he prefers recruiting those kids because they, they've learned to, in a sense, suffer. They've learned to manage hardship. All of the hardships that I mentioned at the beginning of the program in terms of not having enough time, facing a lot of time pressure, learning how to manage a, a tight schedule, he says that that actually made for a better recruit and those kids tended to be more responsible for him more independent, more better at managing college in a sense. They're better at managing the rigors and the stress and demands of college because they had gone to a traditional high school which was you know, taking up most of the day and then they had to sort of squeeze in everything and learn how to time manage basically. So that was his argument and I thought it was an interesting argument. I've never actually heard that argument before, kind of interesting because usually college coaches are looking for the players who are the most dedicated to their tennis and typically those are the players who are online schooling, homeschooling, things like that. And so he said actually, contrarily, he believed the opposite. And I don't think I agree. At, I thought about it a lot. I put some my thinking cap on, I spent some time thinking about it, and I really don't agree at, at all because I... I can just tell you from my personal experience, I don't want that pressure on my kid right now at 13 or 14 or 15. I want to give them a healthy, healthy setup. I don't want my kid to get injured. I think if you're under pressure and not 
able to squeeze everything in, the first thing that often goes is injury prevention and off-court physical strength and conditioning. That's typically what parents and coaches and kids, they cut that out. And I think that's a huge mistake. I don't want to develop my kids without a very strong injury prevention and strength and conditioning program to buttress their athletic training. And I think you as a parent or a coach should feel, should be very firm about that and should feel adamantly the same about that. You, you don't want to just have your kid doing their sport. I don't care what sport it is, whether it's wrestling or tennis or cross country like my son's doing. You don't, kids should not be doing large volume, high volume training in just their sport. Their sport needs to be supported by very good strength and conditioning program, off-court work, injury prevention, flexibility and mobility program, all of those things, and it needs to be really, really good and really, really serious, you know, and usually that's the first stuff to get cut out when a kid's under pressure. And the next thing they get cut out is sleep. I was going to say sleep is probably the second most important thing. Though Getting the sleep and getting all of those off-court physical training stuff, getting those things going is critical. And what I found is that when kids are in a demanding public or private school with a traditional schedule, say 7.30, 8 a.m. to 3 or 4 p.m., it's, it's just not possible. It's, it's not realistic these days. And your child's not going to be competitive in the end. Your child's going to feel depressed or they're going to feel a lack of confidence. They're not going to feel successful. They're not going to feel that they're reaching their full potential. They're going to feel that they're underachieving and they're going to many times feel that they let themselves down, they, they let you down, they let their coach down, that they're not, they're not able to succeed the way they want. In essence, I'm arguing that you're setting your kid up for a big failure. Another area of failure is the injuries that are going to occur when you don't do injury prevention, you don't get enough sleep, you don't do strength and conditioning. You're setting your kid up to get injured. So I don't see how, as a parent how you can, how, as a responsible, conscientious parent, you can set up that situation for your kid and look yourself in the mirror and go to sleep at night. I think it's, in a way, wrong. In a way, ethically wrong. So I disagree with the USC coach. Don't know why his name is blanking on me right now. Smith. Ah, slips my, slips my mind, but it doesn't matter. The point is... There's no way I would keep a kid in a traditional setup so they can learn time management. I mean, that was basically his argument. So you can learn time management, so you can learn, you know, how to, how to work through this challenging situation. You can teach your kid those skills with an online setup. You can teach your kid those skills with a homeschooling. Just make sure they learn those, those, resp those responsibilities and those skills that they'll need in college. You can... Be assured of, you can assure that, that the kids will get that. They don't have to go to a, a really crappy, inefficient school with a long school day, high pressure school for them to learn that. I just completely disagree. So I thought that was interesting, that, that take, and I wanted to give you my counterpoint on that. I, I firmly, firmly believe that it's much better to go with online school, hybrid school, alternate school, and set up a healthy athletic training regimen for your kids so that they can 
have a, a long and successful career, that they can fulfill their dreams, that they can do it in a healthy way without an overload of stress, burnout, or injury. That, to me, is, is critical. All right, so shoot me your questions. I know we did the show today during the middle of the day. If you have questions about homeschooling or online schooling, it's obviously a, a subject that I deal with a lot as a high-performance coach. I advise many parents on this, many of my clients, the families that I work with. I spend a lot of time planning the homeschooling and the training, the online schooling with, with the parents and finding the right fit for their child. And I just thought I'd share with you some of my stories too as a parent. Now with four kids, I'm starting to go through this with each, each of my children and I find it interesting learning about all of these aspects from the parenting side, from, from the perspective of a parent, which I am, rather than just as a coach. And I think it really informs my opinion and, and perspective, my, my philosophy as a coach, because I'm able to see both sides. And I'm, really, I'm able to empathize with the situation that families are in, because I'm going through those same situations myself personally. So I think it really helps me become a better coach and to give better advice to the families that I'm working with. So the email mailbox this week was fully loaded. I got a lot of questions about junior development. I want to go through them quickly because I've got to get to my MMA class soon. You guys know I love to fight and I got a big uh, sparring session coming up and got to get ready guys. You know I love that. First question from the mailbox. Guys, if you have questions, you can always send me any junior development question, you can send me videos of yourself or your players, chris at chrislewitt.com or 914-462-2912, Chris Lewitt, that's my WhatsApp or that's my personal cell phone. You can connect directly with me. You won't get my secretary. That's me personally. You can email, WhatsApp, text, whatever you want. And I get a lot of questions like that now as the show is growing. We have more and more listeners each week. The podcast is growing, so it's very exciting. And I like connecting with those folks. As I said at the onset of the show, it's a lot of fun for me. It's also edifying for me because I learn from you guys. When you have a question about junior development, you have a question about your child. When you send me your child's videos, whatever age they are, I learn from all of those interactions. It makes me a better coach. It gives me more experience and a more diverse experience to draw from as a coach. So I really appreciate you sending those questions and sending those videos to me. And then of course, I tried to give you back my best advice and my best, the best thoughts I can, I can gather on, on the issue. So first question from the mailbox this week was whether a developmental plan is important and should your coach have one? The quick short answer is this was a very good question by one of my viewers, viewers from the YouTube show. Absolutely yes. And one of the typical things that you see is that country club coaches, sometimes I use that, that term, coaches who are more recreational in focus, country club guys and girls, those coaches, you just work at your lo the local yokels at your club in the area, they never have a plan. They, and I don't mean just a plan for the, the lesson. Coach should always have an outline, at least in their mind, that they've, they've planned out different segments of the lesson and goals for the lesson, things like that. Most coaches, in my experience, lower level coaches, recreational coaches who don't participate 
in serious high performance training, they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan for the lesson, they don't have a plan for the week, and they certainly don't have a plan or vision for the player long term, for the year. So this is really, really critical. It's one of the first things I learned from USDA. I've taken a lot of, I've been trained by USDA High Performance. I've taken many, many courses with Paul Lubbers, who's the head of education, and the whole staff at USDA, the national team. And I'm very, very grateful because they've helped shape me as a coach and they've made me a much better coach. Many of the USDA sports science courses and high performance coach, coaching courses have helped me a lot. And so uh, I just want to mention that the first thing that we learned in high performance school was that you, you put together an annual development plan for your players. And I think this really sets apart serious coaches from non-serious ones. And you should definitely ask, you should definitely ask your, your coach, whoever's training you. Sorry, I had a brief, hope we didn't lose you there with the connection. You should definitely ask the coach that you're working with, what is the annual plan here? What is the long-term three to five year plan? What are the goals that we're setting here? Do you guys have regular meetings, communications on this? Because I do all of this with my families. I have, I'm always available for meetings by phone, in person, email and text. I'm always putting together a, a plan at the beginning of the year. So usually in the fall, we have an annual development plan. Sometimes we write it down. Sometimes I have the, the player or parent work on that together and then we, we go over it together. So it, it, every, every situation is slightly different, but in general, there is a very clear planification. There's a very clear set of goals and outline of where we're going. And then for each lesson, I always have a, a prepared drills and exercises and goals that I want to work on with the kid. Now, sometimes those have to be changed based on wh what you find in the lesson, how the kid's feeling, what they want to do. But I think every top coach does that. And so I would definitely encourage you to make sure that your coach does that. And if they don't, that's definitely a red flag. It's not a good sign. And in my experience, most country club coaches, most coaches at the local level, most coaches, coaches who don't work with serious players, they, they usually, they never do any of that stuff. And, and they, they make for poor, uh, that makes for poor lessons, poor quality lessons. And also, many times coaches forget what they were doing the, the day before. They forget what they were doing a week before. Some coaches don't remember what they're working on with a kid. Like, it's very common that a coach forgets what, what they're doing. It happens all the time. I used to see that with an old mentor of mine, amazing coach, but sometimes he'd literally forget what he's doing. And, you know, that's very frustrating for a parent and for the kid. If, if you're in a lesson and you're like, this, this guy doesn't even remember what we did last week. That's not good, you know? All right, see, my wife has come home. We got a little baby, baby sounds in the background. Sorry. Say hi, Kim. You're in the shot. All right, guys, I got to leave the kitchen soon. My wife's going to get no, mad no, at me. No, 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 Am okay. I in trouble? Okay. No, no, no. I'm not in trouble. All right, I'm not in trouble yet, but I've got to get to my MMA class. All right, so that, that, I would say that about uh, annual development plan and planning. Be aware of that as a parent. Do your due diligence. Second question that I got. Good question. Can a player succeed with more than one primary coach? Uh, one of my friends who's a fan of the show from California sent me that question. I would say, buddy, 
that you're generally right. It's not good to have two primary coaches or more than two primary coaches. Unfortunately, today you see parents who are not as trusting and they try to shop their kid around and they get a lot of different advice. I think that can be very detrimental to a child's development. Kid can get confused. So that's kind of the short answer. A uh, longer, more complicated answer is, is that it, to develop a champion, it usually does take a team. Very rare that only one coach will develop a champion all the way through. So be aware of that. It's important to get consulting advice. It's important to get opinions from other coaches. You can bring your kid to different places with, in a healthy way, but I think it's better to have one primary coach driving the vision and the goals, setting the, the priorities, and, and working with the parent to triangulate those goals to the child. It's very hard to manage that with two primary coaches and probably impossible with more than two. It is possible to work with two primary coaches if the coaches are communicating and they work together with the parent to give the consistent messaging to the kids. So I would say with that caveat, it is possible. I am doing that with some, some coaches here in, in my area in New York and it can work, but the coaches have to be professional and they have to communicate. Some coaches are very closed off and they're not very open to a dialogue with another coach. So that is a common issue that parents find. There's uh, many coaches are, are unfortunately myopic and they don't like to work with other coaches. They feel very threatened when they, when they have another coach in the mix and that is a shame. Another question that I had with a really excellent coach down in Florida. He's a high performance coach. He works with a lot of ITF players and we were sort of debating whether you should teach the kick serve to all of your female players. So if you have a daughter or if you, have, uh, if you work with female uh, players, girls, should you teach all of them a kick serve? So this, the, impetus, the impetus of this was my, uh, my, my episode where I talked about uh, kick serve development. I forget which one. It's a few episodes back. You can check it out on the, on the archive. But it was a really good show on kick serve development and, and how you develop the kick serve. And I, I usually recommend that not all girls learn the kick serve. And so my friend and a big fan of the show, he was saying, you know, I, I think it's important that all girls learn a kick serve. And so this is a very common debate. I don't have a final answer for you. In general, I would say to you guys that if your child is female and stronger, taller, built more like a dude, you know, strong, Kixer becomes uh, higher on the priority list, right? Oh, I see my buddy Brandon just uh, waved now. Hey, Brandon, what's up? So in general, I look for the physical qualities of the child. You can also ask them if they, you know, they may have a personal goal to, to master that serve, and that, that is important to take into consideration too. After all, it is uh, this player's uh, game. It's their game. If they have a strong desire to learn a kick serve and it's, it's innate in them, it's, it's powerful in them, you probably should respect that as a coach. But in general, I don't think every girl fits that model. And I think you may be wasting a lot of development time if you force a kick serve on all of your students. So if 100% of your girls are learning a kick serve, you're probably doing a disservice to a, a certain small percentage of those girls. And I think, and this can be debated, I think that you can develop a slice serve that stays low to the highest level, even in today's game. So you can argue that maybe it doesn't develop a complete player, they won't have the complete serve package, 
and that is a, and I, that is a goal, that is an ideal that we all sort of strive for, but with many girls who are petite, not super strong, I, I think you, you may be wasting a lot of time teaching them a kicker that's just going to get pounded. It's going to get smashed by, by the, the returner, and it just sits up right in the wheelhouse of the returner in the female game. And so I think that's the caveat. That's the warning. That's what you need to be cautious about. Again, it's a, it's a good debate. It's certainly not a closed debate, a final. I don't have a final answer for you guys on that one. So let me get to the last couple questions. But I, I told you I had a lot of audience feedback this week, which is great. It's great for the show. It's great for me. So I had a question about Spanish tennis from a reader of my book, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. It's a great book, by the way. So the question was, Hi, in your book, Spanish Tennis, the coach said he believes in strong fingers and loose wrists. So that was, I think it was Javi, um, Fernando Luna. It was a quote from Fernando. Fernando Luna is, used to be the head coach at Bruguera Academy. He's an old friend of mine. He was an excellent player on tour. reached got to the 30s ATP. And he always says, you know, you want to be strong in your fingers, but loose in the wrist. And so he said to me, the question from the audience member was, what does it mean to have strong fingers? And all that means is when you, when you want to create RPM and whip and elasticity, you need to be firm with your fingers, but relaxed in your wrist and relaxed in your forearm. And typically what happens is players will clench that whole thing. They will clench up their forearm muscles. They will clench up their, their wrist and they'll hold the racket super tight in the death grip, you know. So what they teach in Spain or the emphasis in Spain is being firm on the grip with the fingers, obviously, because you don't want the racket to fly out of your hand. There has to be a firmness in the way you hold the grip. But the wrist, paradoxically, the wrist and forearm and even the upper arm to the shoulder should be loose. And that is a very hard sensation for players to get. And most players struggle with that. I spend a lot of time physically manipulating young children's arms to try to get them to feel loose like that, but obviously to hold the racket strong enough with the fingers. So that's what that's all about. And it is not easy to get that feeling for a young kid. In my experience, most kids are way, way too tight. Their arms are taut and they have a lot of tension and stiffness in their stroke because of that. So another question that I had, this will be the last one, I think it's quite interesting. I spoke with a dad the other day on the phone, thinking about coming to my summer camp. And man, I am super jammed right now with summer camp signups. We're getting prepared for the big summer camp coming up. Uh, you guys know that, so I, I, I'm, it's a crazy week, guys, just in general. But So this dad was, he has a top player from New England, um, actually the number one player from New England, so which is really cool. And so I'm excited to get that kid up to the, to the summer camp. And he was saying how the grind of USDA tournaments and chasing points and keeping up with the point total so you can qualify for this, these you know, smaller nationals and supers and things like that was really wearing on, on him personally in terms of time and energy and also on his family. And I said, you know, that's a very common phenomenon and it's not always necessary to do the USDA grind. So I wanted to sort of throw that out to the audience of the show and say to you guys, if you're a parent or a coach, 
realize that there is another way. You don't always have to grind the USDA junior circuit. And in fact, that junior circuit grind can be very, very unhealthy for your family. In fact, I think it can rip some families apart. So please be cautious about that and understand that there are other ways to develop a champion. You don't have to go the USDA route. You can, for example, play fewer tournaments and you can focus on just big tournaments. You can look for wild cards. You can do a lot more training at home and get competition at home. And that can, sometimes can be a lot healthier than chasing points. You don't have to take every vacation off, separate the family, and go to nationals or super nationals. That, that's not necessary. You don't have to do that. And you can do it in a very select and streamlined way rather than doing the entire grinding season. There, there are options. You can choose to play a limited ITF schedule. You can choose to skip all of junior tennis play a limited amount of tournaments and go directly into the pro circuit. A lot of parents of serious kids will do that. There are alternate routes. The Williams sisters are a great example of that. There are many other top players who have done it that way. So don't tell me that the only way to develop a top kid is to do the USTA grind. In fact, I think that's very myopic and many parents get sucked into that mindset and it can become very, very unhealthy for the family. So consider that guys. Don't think that the USDA grind is the only way. There is another way. And with my kids and my family, we're looking for alternate uh, ways to get them to the top without destroying our family life and without burning out mom and dad. Because guys, you have to manage your burnout as much as your child's burnout because it is a very tough road and it's exhausting. As a tennis parent, it's exhausting to develop a champion. So. I have so much respect for you guys who are doing that, but you also have to take care of yourselves. You guys also have to exercise too. Don't forget taking care of yourself. So, Guys, awesome show. I got to run. I'm going to go spar. Hopefully, I don't get a concussion or get hurt too much, black eye, that kind of thing. Wish me luck. Remember, summer camp's coming up. Get in touch with me if you want to come and train. Serious training in the summer, not watered-down recreational summer camp. Serious high-performance Spanish training. Come on, you know you want to get up there to the mountains with me in Vermont. Got some exciting new stuff coming up on the horizon, but my mind is totally obsessed with ten, uh, summer camp, getting uh, the tennis camp organized, and, and we're, we're in preparation mode now. So hopefully you guys will come visit me then. Have a great day. God bless. Enjoy the weekend. I'll see you on the next program. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time. I'm bummel.